Welcome to Simpler. We are three pastors, husbands, and fathers on a journey to make life simpler by holding Jesus as the core for every belief and practice. This journey has shaped us to be more like Christ, freed us from the shame of failure, and encouraged us to a deeper love of our Lord and God. We invite you to join us in the discussions that have shaped and continue to shape our lives. We are so excited to have you guys back. We've had a pretty awesome response to our first couple of episodes with marriage and unity. You guys are great. Continue to let us know what you think on our social media channels, on YouTube, and on everything. We are so excited to have you back for this week's episode. As always, we got Mike and Mariano right over here. How's it going? And Ryan Douglas on this corner right this side. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to kick us off today. I've been thinking of a of a title for whatever this section might be called. And so today I'm just going to settle with the cheesy level of Pierce's pondering. I'm going to try to find like a different P word every time, but it's Pierce's pondering today. And uh, so, yeah, as always, I, I contemplate what's going on within culture and stuff like this. And this past week, my good friend Kanye West, hmm. he uh, announced his presidential campaign. <laughs> I thought he already retracted that. Which, yeah, that's what I thought too. And so I was told, I, that, so fake news already. Are going against Kanye as well as Trump. We got wow. fake news out there that he re resigned on his candidacy, but he actually had his first rally in South Carolina this past week, South Carolina or North Carolina. And I was watching that and I only found like the chopped up media versions. And so he sounds like a madman <laughs> with all these different <laughs> yeah. campaigns, but it got me thinking with a couple of friends of mine, just about Kanye and, and really Trump. And so like, I'm not going to get super political. And if you want to rail on anybody, rail on me in the comments or whatever and in our inbox, write us a letter, you know, use pen and ink and get, <laughs> and get mad at Pierce only. But what I think is so funny is with Kanye, what say about him what you will, over the past like year or so, we've kind of seen this huge shift in yeah. Kanye's lifestyle. Yeah. And he is proclaiming the gospel. He's hosting the Sunday services. He's doing all these things. And there's plenty of people that I feel like, and this is this may be unfair, so tell me if this is unfair, but there's plenty of people that say, I want God's man in the White House. I want a Christian in the White House. I want, I want someone who proclaims the gospel in the White House. And there's a lot of people that flock to Trump for that. And I don't know about you guys, but I'll just stand on my own and just say I don't see a ton of that from Trump. Obviously, I think that a lot of people say he's the, he's the Christian choice, but there's plenty of people on that end that say those things that laugh at someone like Kanye but Kanye is seemingly proclaiming the gospel every Sunday. He's, he seems to be striving to live, to lead a household. I saw an interview with him and Kim, actually his wife, Kim Kardashian, where they were actually talking about her lifestyle. Mm. And he was like, I'm striving. Like, I, I, I don't even know what to do. Cause like, I want to lead a, lead a household that is representative of Jesus. It's representative of the gospel, but I'm seeing these contradictions in my own life. And that's on public television where he's, yeah. he's kind of working through the gospel. And so I'm not making a stance and it sounds like I'm making a stance, but I'm really not. But it got me thinking about the fact of we've got two men who some people are saying that one, one, some people are saying like Trump is this crazy guy. He's not God's choice. And a lot of people are saying, well, he is God's choice for the white house. Then you got some like Kanye West on the field who is proclaiming the gospel, but a lot of people just immediately laugh at him and shame him for things in his past and things that he might've done. Whereas in this situation, I actually began to contemplate when it comes to politics and comes to the presidency, if these were the two candidates, obviously there's more going on with Joe Biden and all that stuff. If these were the two <laughs> candidates, who is God's choice? 
the and, one who gets in the White House. Yeah, exactly. Right. The one, the one who won the presidency. <laughs> That's exactly right. No, one, wanted, no one comes to authority except for my God. So exactly. Whoever wins. We'll just ruin the contemplation. Excuse me, the pondering. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Sorry. Sorry. I thought it was a legitimate question. <laughs> I think what, I think one of the things, I don't know if we're supposed to comment on Pierce's pondering. Do it, man. I think one of the things you're pointing out is the inconsistency of the statement. So yeah. like, I don't know if any of you have watched the things that have gone on with Kanye, but I mean, from the stuff I've, I've seen of him and even reading um, an article by the pastor who seemingly led him to Jesus, mm-hmm. this dude has put his faith in Jesus, has believed in Jesus as, as Lord, Savior, and his life is completely changed, completely yeah. different. And so I think that, you know, if, if, I don't think most people really mean that when they say we want God's, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't think what they mean is we want a Christian guy. The point, I think, is proven by the fact that Romney was some, a lot of those people would have voted for Romney. Oh, true. And Romney's a Mormon, which they do not believe in the same Jesus we believe in. Right, so exactly. I, I don't think that's the case. I think that someone might say that, but they don't really believe that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, I, I think what they mean is we're looking for someone with um, a certain set of morals. We're looking for someone who has a certain exactly. you know, aspect of character, which um, in my opinion is not, uh, some of our best leaders are not going to always be dudes with the nicest character. You know exactly. what I'm saying? So, yes. <laughs> you know, I think it would, in my opinion, it would be difficult to be in that position and have like what we would call upright character. So anyways, exactly. the point being with your pondering, I think that you're showing the inconsistency of the thought that um, if you really want someone who is gospel centered at, mm-hmm. at the presidency, then you would pick Kanye over Trump. But I don't yeah. think most people would pick Kanye they don't mean that, yeah. over Trump. I wouldn't pick Kanye over the Trump, even though I think that Kanye is a phenomenal dude. Yeah. Someone who loves Jesus. I just don't, I mean, you know, opinion. I don't yeah, think exactly. that as far as leadership goes. And I don't know if he's, maybe he does. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen it. <laughs> It wouldn't be my choice right now. Exactly. Well, and what both of you guys pointed out is that people's first thought isn't the scripture. It isn't actually the gospel. It's just more so of I'm tying in the gospel into my own preconceived notions of morals, my preconceived notions of what politics should be, of who should be running the country based off of the way I see it. They're not actually thinking through the lens of the scripture or through the lens of Christ. And so um, think on that what you will. If you want to get mad, like I said, write me a letter, uh, preferably in (laughs) in quill and ink. Uh, but contemplate that yourself. Oh gosh, I already did it. I already slammed the table 30 seconds in, but contemplate that yourself and contemplate kind of the inconsistencies that you might have, or that you're surrounded by kind of in the world. As we continue in this episode, one thing I'm really excited about this episode is that we are going to, uh, we're just talking about the gospel. What is the gospel? And that's, and that's what we're striving to accomplish in this episode of simpler and what I love about that is for the first two episodes, we've used a lot of language that between the three of us has been really commonplace. We've used a lot of language that is uh, is very normal for us. But what I love about this episode is this is going to kind of clear the air of and then really set all of us on the same place of when we, what do we mean when we say Christ is core? What do we mean when we, yeah. we say gospel centered? What do we mean when we say these things when it comes to things like politics, when it comes to things like the world, when it comes to things like our lives or how we preach or how we teach? What does that look like? And so I'm going to toss it off to you, Ryan, to kind of give some clarity on where we're going with this episode. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you already touched on it. You said that Christ is core. And so I think that that's what we really want to come down to. And we talk about the gospel. And and I mean, we as the pastors of the 456, we who are hosting this podcast, when we talk about the gospel, we are talking about those truths uh, that center upon the person of Jesus. And, and so what we would argue is that for something to be gospel centered, it has to have Jesus at its center, has to have Jesus at the core. Yeah. And, um, and if it doesn't have Jesus at the core, it's not gospel. 
Um, and, and so in a, just a simple way to say it, if it's going to be gospel, it must have Jesus at the core or yeah. just simply Jesus at the core. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, when we talk about the gospel, uh, I, I don't know about you guys. So like I grew up in church, you guys grew up in church. Um, you hear people talk about the gospel and sometimes for some people, they immediately go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we call the gospels. Uh, other people immediately go to Christ on the cross. And I think that that's a component of the gospel, but I think, it, I think it has to start with, uh, the deity of Christ. It has mm. to start with the person of Jesus. I feel like that's where the book of John really begins. And it seems like a lot of the scripture in the new Testament, in fact, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John spend a great bit of time showing that Jesus is God. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, uh, you alluded to it a second ago, Micah, that that Mormons believe in Jesus, but not the same Jesus we believe in because they believe in some man who lived perfectly on some world somewhere that eventually became a God. And we believe in a God who became man, who is eternally existing, who um, like the origin story is completely different. Yeah. And so I think it's it really matters like, uh, it really matters what we believe about Jesus, his deity. Yes, his death. Yes, his resurrection. Yes, his coming again. I think, uh, I, I think everything, every truth that requires Jesus, I think is a gospel truth. Mm, yeah. Um, and so I don't know, like I, I, for me, one of my favorite texts uh, about the deity of Christ comes from Hebrews one, which says that he is, he is the fullness of God's glory, yeah. like the exact imprint of his nature. And I think a lot of people want to look the Trinity. I, I don't want to talk about the Trinity. <laughs> I really don't <laughs> like, it's so confusing. Like from a, like there isn't a good example about it, but, but we, I think if we could get to the place where we're settled with the idea that Jesus is God yeah. and yet there is a person who is the father and there is a person who is the son and there's a person who's the Holy spirit. And yet, somehow they're intertwined. And, and there is, Jesus says in John 14, and this is one of my favorite stories. You heard me mention this at youth camp a few weeks ago, Micah, that, um, that it's the night before Jesus, or it's in fact, the night that Jesus is arrested and he's hanging out with his disciples. And Philip says, if you show us the father, that's enough. Just show us the father. They've been with him about three years. Just show us God. And that's enough. And Jesus's response is, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me? So the request is, we want to see the Father. And Jesus says, have I really been with you this long and you don't know me? Mm -hmm. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, for yeah. I and the Father are one. And so I, th I think the gospel has to begin with that, has to begin with the deity of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the um, maybe sticking points when you have a conversation with someone who says they believe in Jesus, but it's like I... I believe in the Mormon version of Jesus, or mm -hmm. I believe even like a Mus Muslims accept Jesus, but sure. they call him a prophet, you know? Right. So, you know, you could have, I heard a story a long time ago about a church in California that was about to baptize a guy and a pretty big, well-known church in California. And, um, they asked him to just kind of, you know, testify about his faith in Jesus before they baptized him. And he, he goes, I'm so excited today to, to claim Jesus as one of my gods. Yeah. And so then they stopped and they were like, whoa, we don't think, you, we don't think you've got this. But so here's a dude who has quote unquote believed in Jesus, right? but it's, you know, without believing Jesus as the deity, like you're talking about as the son of God, as God, John, uh, first John five, um, I think it's verse five says, who is it believes that believes except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. And he's very mm -hmm. specific there that he's speaking of the Jesus of the scriptures. Yeah. So, and good point about John chapter one. 
Yeah. In the beginning was the word, word was with, with God, the word was God. Colossians um, yes. talks about that. Chapter one and chapter uh-huh. two. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you, you touched on, uh, on first John, um, reminds me in chapter two of first John. And, and I think we have a lot of people who say this, they'll be like, I believe in God. I just don't believe that Jesus is God, or I believe in God. I just don't believe that Jesus is the way to God. And, and so what we would argue is that you don't have a gospel belief because a, a belief in God apart from Jesus isn't gospel. And by the way, this is, so let me back up really fit and finish, <laughs> finish my first John thought. So first John two says that if you don't acknowledge the son, you don't acknowledge the father. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is not a belief in God apart from a belief in Christ as God. Yeah. Uh, you can't have one without the other. And I, and I think that, um, I think that what we do a lot of times is like that guy, apparently, you know, who's about to be baptized. And for him, it, it's, kind of like, yeah, I want to believe in Jesus along with everything else I believe in. Yeah. And the claims that Jesus makes are mutually exclusive. Yeah. You, you don't get mm-hmm. to adopt him in the midst of other things. Right. In, in 2 Kings uh, chapter 17, the Assyrian army has just defeated the northern kingdom of Israel. And Israel at this point was not very godly. They had been serving idols for a while. And uh, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's pretty funny. I suppose if a whole bunch of people getting eaten by lions is funny, uh, but classic, uh, <laughs> classic, good one. Uh, so the, the Assyrians populate Israel, uh, and they move all the Israelites out into captivity. And because the Assyrians are not worshiping Yahweh, God, God sends lions among the land and in, in, into the land to start killing these people. So then they say, Hey, send for some of the people who used to live here so they can tell us how to worship this God. Because he's killing us with lions. And, and so some of the Israelites come back, and it's really interesting because it says that the Israelites then proclaim to them Yahweh. And instead of the Assyrians going, cool, we believe in Yahweh God now, Yahweh God became, like this guy, became one of their gods that they served. Yeah. And you fast forward like 700 years, and that's the Samaritans. That's mm. the people yep. who are who are worshiping God along with all their other things. Right. You know? And so right. it has to have at the core Jesus and his deity. And I think you could trace it back through the Old Testament story as well. Cause some, you know, some of you might ask, well, what about the times before Jesus actually came? Like, how would you make that case that Jesus and the gospel or, or Jesus and the redemption story even mm-hmm. are, are tied? I think that you can see that far back, even like probably farther than Abraham, but Abraham is an example. Abraham understood from God's promise that God was going to send the savior. So in the Old Testament, we might not say Jesus. We might say that God's promise of a coming Savior is sure. evident mm-hmm. from the beginning, evident from probably Genesis 3 yes. on. So that's what we mean when we say that to believe in the gospel is to believe with Jesus uh, with Jesus at the center or at the yes. as, as an integral part of that is not just the name Jesus, but it's the person of Jesus that yes. can be traced back through the Old Testament as well. Well, how many times have we heard somebody ask, like in Q&As or whatever, they say, well, how did the people in the Old Testament get saved? And I find it interesting that all of us who are listening and all of you who are listening who would have put faith in Jesus, we're, we're putting faith in, um, and we're going to talk about the cross and, and him dying for our sins and trespasses and that kind of stuff in a moment. But like we put our faith kind of on this moment in history, you know, a couple of thousand years ago, but it, it goes beyond that even to the person of God who's always existed. So we're, we're putting our faith on this moment in time in the past and, and I don't know why it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the fact that Abraham was putting his faith on uh, a point in time in the future. So yeah. mm-hmm. Abraham's faith and our faith both fall at the same point in history yeah. 
on who Christ is and what he's accomplished. Right. And, and so we don't, we don't find it difficult to accept we're putting our faith on somebody who has come, but we find it incredibly <laughs> difficult to, to reconcile that Abraham did put his faith on someone who was going to come. Like, and, and the object of both of our faiths, of course, is Jesus. Jesus, yeah. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that gets confusing in a culture of, like, I'm going to call it Christian moralism of today that actually mm-hmm. has been around for so long, is the gospel gets a little bit tainted, I think, in the midst of conversation about... Um, morals. Yes. Um, and I think you can trace that back to how people viewed from the Old Testament Israel viewed the law as a means by which they were saved, which is what Jesus is combating when he comes right to to Israel. Is he's saying, you know, your perspective of the law is here, but I'm not telling you it's actually here. In other words, you cannot uphold the law in the way that you think you can, which then Paul tells us in Romans that the law simply just makes us conscious of that reality of, right. of our sin. So this this idea of like Christian moralism today that somehow our works or our actions save us or um, gain us righteousness, I think is so contrary to the actual message of the gospel. For sure. Yeah. We'll we'll get to that a little bit more here in just a second, but like essentially what we're doing when we make it law or when we make it our rules or we make it our standard is we're exchanging the gospel that has Christ at the core for a gospel that has us at the core. Absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about, so you alluded to, uh, Colossians one, Colossians two, John one. I mean, the scripture is all over. So in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. This is a reference to Christ. John Mm one Colossians two says that, uh, the fullness of deity dwelt in him. Um, we see from John 14 that he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father for I and the father are one in John 17, what's called the high priestly prayer. Jesus says, may the church be one, even as you and I are one. Um, we, we, I think we can look and see these references to the deity of Christ pretty easily. Let's talk for a second about the fact that Christ died for us. He he actually bore trespasses. He bore sins uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? Every football game ever and every Christian football player has that under their eye or whatever. So like John three sixteen, kind of this, <laughs> the most famous verse probably culturally speaking or whatever, but, um, and not, I don't mean to downplay it. I mean, it's just, it's got great stuff, but I think it's kind of become cliche. Uh, yeah, kind of a Christian name tag. Yeah, you know? I actually preached that verse for the first time ever in my life yes. this summer. Again. Nice, that's awesome. It was weird. Like that was your core sermon. Yeah, that's what I taught. Yeah, I taught John three sixteen. See, I've used it a lot as a support text, but I don't yeah. know that I've ever used it as kind of the. Well, it was it was based on a conversation we had had recently about someone who made a point about it that we somehow act like God so hated the world yes, that he exactly. hated us so much because of our state. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. Romans says we're enemies of God. We're under the wrath of God. But John three says that God loved us so much right. that he mm-hmm. sent us Jesus. I think we often negate that when we talk about the gospel yes. is that it's God's love for us that spurred this redemption story to happen. Yeah. 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 Like, like you're saying, uh, the pastor that we were listening to, he had said, we, we read John three three sixteen as God so hated the world that he sent his only begotten son and then poured out all his hatred on Jesus instead of God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son and, and that Christ is a demonstration of God's love, not yeah. God's judgment. Exactly. Um, I, I feel like we overlook James 2 that says mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. th- th- this is Jesus. Um, for those of you who are familiar with the text, uh, Isaiah 53 is a beautiful, beautiful text that if you read it from beginning to end, Isaiah 53, 1 down through verse 13, it's literally 13 verses long. It is the entire story 
uh, of Jesus, beginning with the, the birth. So it doesn't go into his eternal nature, uh, but it begins with his his birth and goes all the way through his second coming. And the entire text, it um, it's just beautiful. It talks about how the Jews didn't acknowledge him, didn't accept him, didn't believe that he was of God, believe in fact that God had stricken him, that God had afflicted him. Uh, he bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases is a text that's fulfilled in Matthew chapter eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was numbered among the transgressors, talking about who he is crucified with, like a lamb that's led to the slaughter. Uh, and, and it talks about he bore our trespasses. Like I, I think that, and and by the way, Isaiah 53 is a very Jewish text. You need to read the pronouns there as Jews, but there is a benefit also for the Gentiles as we see in Ephesians one. But, um, but, but Jesus bore away our sin, like his work on the cross was an effective work, um, not a potentially effective work. It, yeah. it overthrew the power of sin. It overthrew the power of death. And and that is part of the gospel. Gospel, by the way, is this old English word, uh, gold spell or whatever, however you pronounce it, that we've kind of just tweaked and made it be gospel. But it, it means literally, it means good news. And uh, the I don't care about the original. Anyway, uh, I, I, just you. Just me. <laughs> um, but the thing that's interesting about this good news is that part of this good news is that God clothed himself in humanity. And part of the good news, like, I feel like when we talk about the gospel, we only talk about the cross. Mm-hmm. And it's a big component of it, so we don't want to miss it. Right, right. But like, our sins have been, Romans 6, we have been set free from the power of sin. We have we were once slaves to sin, now we're slaves of righteousness. We we were once bound uh, in condemnation, and we are now free from that. There is now, therefore, Romans 8, 1, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for what the law could not do in overthrowing sin and death and those things. Christ did in fulfilling yeah. the law. Yeah. And and so that, that matters. When we're talking about Jesus as core, like— it, you can't tell the story of the cross without Jesus. Yeah, no. Um, you can't talk about creation in the beginning of time without talking about Jesus. Exactly. Like, these are gospel truths because they have at their core Jesus, his person, his character, his provision for us. And so so let's talk a little bit about his resurrection. Um, because well, pause, pause for a second. Yeah, yeah, let's go. go back to resurrection. Uh, just to kind of, I did this a little bit last time. I'm going to try to implement a little bit more, kind of give little mini summaries as we keep little going along. Nice. Good. Little pond, little ponderings, <laughs> but uh, so basically, what's the word that means tiny, but it's with a p, so it could be Pierce's petite ponderings. There you go, there you go. Pierce's petite ponderings. Pierce's petite ponderings. So, so basically, starting from the point of gospel, acknowledging that Jesus is core, and the gospel truth is kind of stemming from Jesus. Acknowledging we've talked about this all starting with Jesus as God. And, uh, and one thing that, that I love about all of kind of what we've talked about, and then we're going about to get to his resurrection, is kind of this, even though God is outside of time and so much of this truth resounds outside of anything that we can actually perceive, even acknowledging kind of the chronological order of it, acknowledging like in the beginning was the word, the word was yeah. with God, the word was God, acknowledging these promises given to Abraham, acknowledging Christ's um, work throughout the Old Testament, leading to his coming, leading to God putting on flesh, in the Gospels, and we see in the New Testament, we see this, uh, and you, you you said this a second ago, we tend to, when we think about the Gospel, only think about the cross. What I, kind of a light bulb kind of struck as I was looking at my notes and thinking about what you said is that one way to encourage simplicity, to encourage people to make it simpler, is to see these few facets we're going to look at. The Christ is God, Christ overthrew sin, Christ overthrew death, and uh and Christ will return kind of these points that we're going to talk about as equal weight because they all hold equal weight. 
Yeah. And so we tend to do, you're exactly right. We tend to only uphold the cross. And, we, sure. that, and, and I would assume at some point that used to have all of the facets of Christ kind of encompassed in that symbol. But now we strictly think of the death. We strictly think of, um, of how people may interpret that, which we'll get to in a little bit as well. But to encourage you guys as listeners to kind of think of these pieces falling together instead of these like huge theological mountains, just kind of seeing these pieces flow together of God's love, mm-hmm. of God's redemptive story, of God's, of God's intention for all of this. And so seeing Christ as God, seeing Christ put on flesh, serve, show, show the love of God mm-hmm. in the midst of his life, show the love of God in the midst of his death and acknowledge what his death accomplished in overthrowing sin, in overthrowing, uh, excuse me, we'll get there in a second with the resurrection. Let me take a drink of water because my voice is gross. Well, you know, maybe one way to, to do what you're talking about, to, mm-hmm. to think about all of those things is too often when people ask the question, what do you think of when you think of the gospel? You're kind of put on that, on that spot, right? Yeah. Where, where you go, well, the cross, well, Jesus died for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that would be a little bit like saying, um, what do you think of when you think of Ryan Dalglish? Well, he's mm. married. Yeah. And like <laughs> yeah. that's true. And I, and I love being married, and, but I'm also a father and I'm an artist and I'm a pastor and like, there's a lot more facets. And so maybe if we could train ourselves to think of the answer to the question, what is the gospel? If we could think of it as the answer is Jesus yeah. mm-hmm. holistically, yeah. then we don't, we don't, elevate one part exactly. of the story above another and we're able to view it all because it's not about a part of the story it's about the the subject of the story Christ. exactly right. and and that also encourages us and pushes us to make sure that it's outside of us because Absolutely. it's not our own it's not our individual interpretation of the cross it's what god proclaimed was accomplished at the cross absolutely it's not our interpretation of the fulfillment of god's it's promises what god says about jesus or more specifically even what jesus says about himself exactly so that yeah. i think you can simplify it like you guys are saying and saying that jesus is the gospel jesus is yeah. the core of the gospel and then you can kind of break it as you need to exactly. down and, and sure. dive into the other aspects of what that means and I, I think that my opinion you guys tell me what you think about this i, I think, think it's, it's stupid probably so <laughs> i think it's enough to say that the gospel is jesus if someone believes in jesus they're saved mm-hmm. that statement i feel like even though it can be explained in a little more detail is enough, and I'll tell you why I feel that way, because I think that what the New Testament proclaims is that the power of the gospel still rests in the Spirit. Yes. Mm. And so it's not my job to convey an understanding that seemingly the only the Holy Spirit can give to someone. So I might be willing to have that conversation about, you know, what does it look like that um, Jesus was the creator? What does it look like that Jesus is God? What does it look like that he died on the cross for my sins? But I feel like, you know, Romans 10 says, whoever, if you believe in, or if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe your heart, God raised him from the dead, you're saved. He doesn't yeah. really like break that down in that statement in and of itself. So a simpler Mm -hmm. version is I believe in Jesus. That's the gospel. Exactly. Well, and to your point, I mean, quoting Romans 10, nine and 10 show off, but you know, anyway, (laughs) (laughs) just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) But, uh, but right. The the two things that he is Lord, which if you unpack that, that has a lot to it. So it's, it's not like we were saying earlier, it's not like saying, well, I believe he's a good man. I believe he's a prophet, like declaring who he is, who he actually is. And believing that he was raised from the dead. And that was the point we were about to get to. Why, why does that matter so much that we believe Jesus was raised from the dead? Why does that have to be part of the gospel? Uh, my, my first response is because he said so. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Sure. Okay. So, hey, thanks everybody for tuning in this month. Um, we really appreciate it. And uh, that's... Oh, I got you. Okay. I more understand your question more now. I was like, why is that important? Because God said it's, yeah. it's important. <laughs> but like... It, we, we, uh, 
don't know. I mean, we, if you, re, if you read the book of Acts and you see Paul talking to people, uh, they're, they're good. Like when he's talking to these Gentile nations, they are good hearing the story about Jesus and about redemption until he gets to the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that becomes a sticking point for several of his audiences yeah. in chapters 11 through 14 and then following when he's on his second and third missionary journey. That becomes a sticking point. Uh, I could be wrong about the chapters. In fact, it's You're not chapter not. 11, <laughs> it's chapter 12. Just making up uh, stuff. Yeah. I, they're so not anyway, going to check me. <laughs> in, I'm not going to check. In second Romans, you know. <laughs> in second Romans. <laughs> Romans the two. Uh, but yeah, you know, like, I mean, yeah. that became a sticking point for exactly. people. When it's... I think to answer your first question as well, kind of, well, actually, I don't remember your first question. I started making fun of it. Basically the resurrection. (laughs) Why does that matter? So to think of like, to think of things kind of chronologically and think about Christ or excuse me, God's promises and leading up to Christ and all these aspects of things and thinking about death as being the the consequence and Mm -hmm. something that is, was never the intention. The Mm -hmm. intention was, uh, was was life the intention of was fellowship the intention was community and then that was broken by sin that was broken by by pride kind of entering in and then that relationship was broken and these were tainted as well and then we see these stories of of god's love leading kind of up to this ultimate act of god love of god's love with christ and so to measure the importance of that within the gospel it is i love looking at jesus as god because whenever he had all these statements it is he's exerting his authority and so if we truly believe this man to be god what he says about the law has to be true sure. it has to be flowing from an aspect of truth and so then we get this to this point where 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 quote unquote god is dead where we see this man who proclaimed to be god is dead and kind of like this utmost roar of victory was leaving the grave empty and so it complete it put the stiff. I mean, uh, Paul talks about that one, First Corinthians fifteen. Yeah, yeah, I'm showing off now. What's up, yeah. Bible? Uh, <laughs> where Jesus like like throws this huge stamp on it. Like, by the way, this this is the point you guys should look back at and realize that everything I said was true up until this point. Now, now you may have believed or kind of wavered in believing my authority over these aspects of teaching back then, but now that I've left the grave empty, my authority stands and I remain firm over all of these things. And yeah. So. And it also bears so much weight to the aspect of salvation. So I agree. I'm going to let, I'll pass it back off with regards to the stickiness, because I think that, well, my first thought is the fact that we, we as humans, apart from Christ, just within this world, we know, we know two things. Definitely. We were born and we're going to die. And I think that, that, that is our truth, our truth. Yeah. And so when, when somebody comes up and says, no, the truth is that you don't have to die. The truth is that you can have life in something outside of yourself. Yeah. I think that that immediately, regardless of your stance on politics, regardless on your stance socially, regardless on anything else, humans know two things. We were born and we die. And then you're going to like throw in the face of that. So I think that's one of the main reasons why it's so sticky is that we know two things and people don't want to deviate from that. Well, um, Micah, I think, touched on it a little bit earlier that a lot of Christians uh, and Christian writings, Christian talking uh, boils down to a moralistic kind of view. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, um, I think that a lot of times what we do, and I've heard people say this is our view of Jesus is he's just going to make us a little more moral. He's going to make us a little kinder. And, and first, and, and I've heard people say, actually say, even if none of this is real, it's still good because it made me a better person. And you touched on it already, Pierce, that first Corinthians 15, Paul disagrees with that completely. Exactly. He said, if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then our, our faith, yeah, our faith is vain. Our preaching is in vain. You might as well just do whatever the heck you want to do because 
Like, if there isn't a second coming, if there isn't an eternity, if there isn't a resurrected life, then none of it matters. Exactly. And, and I think that back to the first point that Jesus is God, Romans 1 introduces Jesus and it shows his genealogy and it says it, he is a descendant of David, but it says that he proves himself the son of God by his resurrection. Mm -hmm. So it is that, that final kind of stamp, that kind of, you know, emphasis of, look, what I have declared to be true to you is true. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and so... Without Jesus's resurrection, without the promise of uh, sin and death being overthrown, without the promise of a resurrected life, Peter says it this way in First Peter. He says that that our hope, our, our longing, our expectation is this return of Jesus. Yeah. And uh, and so those things, I think, I, I think that's why Michael, you quoted Romans ten. You know, that's why the second part of faith isn't just calling him Lord, but knowing that he's been raised from the dead. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Because really, if you say, I believe he's Lord, but I don't believe he came back to life, then you really don't believe he's Lord because him coming back to life, according to Romans 1, is what declared him God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's what I think, to your point, Pierce, conquers death. Like it yeah. brings us from a state, he talks about that in Romans 5, of through death, one man, through one man, death into the world, through one man, basically life comes through. Speaking of Jesus, I think, uh, let me just comment on like a social commentary for a moment. I think that there's something in us that, um, has a hard time grasping the idea that the life that we gain through through believing in Jesus begins now. Like John right. seventeen yeah. three yep. defines eternal life as knowing God and Jesus Christ, whom whom God sent. We've when I was growing up, the gospel was often proclaimed when I was at retreats and camps as if like if you put your faith in Jesus, believe in Jesus, or they used to say it dumbly, accept Jesus in your heart. Sorry if that's something you say, but <laughs> just a weird way to say it. Got funny stories about that, anyways. But like that was how it was <laughs> proclaimed. If you do this, and you get to go to heaven, and right. it like negates the whole aspect of life now. And I think that there's, we're still dealing with that as a culture. Where even now in the midst of COVID, one of the things that's killing me is that there's Christians. I don't know if it's across the world, at least across the U.S., who are acting as if their value of life is this physical body rather than mm. the life I've already gained in Jesus. Yeah. You know, like I'm gonna stay. Wherever you stand on it, listen. The gospel—if the gospel isn't more important than my health, then no matter what it is, COVID, or if it becomes illegal to be a Christian and I'm shot for following Jesus, like in so many parts of the world—if my value system is me and not the gospel, then I've missed this aspect of life that Jesus has given me. Like, what, yeah. what can someone do? They kill me for following Jesus? Yeah. Okay, you can't take my life away because yeah. my life goes on forever. So I think that's like social it's, commentary. It's this Paul. is where. Yeah. Uh, to live as Christ and to die, to die as his game. game. Right. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that we're seeing right now in the midst of COVID is uh, there's so many people who say, I have life in Christ, but aren't acting like it. Yes. Well, I love that you say that because you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm just a couple of years older than you, but like all my life, that. all my life, I heard <laughs> that too, you know, that come to Jesus for what you can have. And, and just to be clear, the Bible does say that we should uh, long for the reward and long Absolutely. for the second coming and Absolutely. long for the kingdom of heaven to come. But what Micah's saying and what Christ teaches is that when we put our faith in Jesus, the eternal life part of things begins from that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it is something that we get to live out because Jesus is core for us. Jesus mm -hmm. is central for us. This is a, tr this is a life now lived with Jesus at the aim. You know, um, I, th I feel like a little bit, it goes back to what we talked about two months ago on marriage 
that there are some Christians who think that marriage just has to be sucking yeah. and has to be poor. And, and they think that Jesus saved them from sin so that they can go to heaven one day, but they don't think that Jesus also saved them so they could have a holy marriage. Right. Yeah. Like it, now. Yeah. It's so, it's, I swear, I said it then and I'll say it again. Please I think do. it, it's, again, I will. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievably sad to me that like, bang the that table. We, that we've been <laughs> in a place where, I'm sorry about that, Stephen, <laughs> that, that we're at a place where, a statement like that, looking somebody in the eyes and saying, you can have a better marriage is met with contempt. I know, that's crazy. It blows my mind. And the same thing with an aspect of Why Christianity. Why do people get so pissed off they about that? They get so mad. And an aspect, because, I'll tell you why. I'll tell okay. you why in a second. Yeah. <laughs> but the same, the same kind of sadness I have is even more so amplified when you can look somebody in the eyes and say, you can live the life Christ has for you now. Yeah. Like, the, obviously, there's a lot of, like, aspects of that, that that Paul promises as well. A lot more suffering, a lot more, a lot more. Right heartache in the world or whatever, quote unquote, but like, but there's still so much more of a reward in that to live as Christ and to die as gain. And I think that shows, I just talked about that this week with the youth is that that shows this immediate mindset of Paul, that, that Paul, regardless of the situation, his response is going to be Christ. And that's so much what we're talking about here. Christ is core. If we yeah. have a mindset that is bent upon Jesus, then whatever aspect we come to, it's going to reflect Jesus. If we look at our day-to-day -day life, if we look at how we respond to COVID, if we look at how we respond to persecution or suffering, if we look at how we respond to our marriage, our first response should always be a mindset of Jesus and the mm -hmm. promises that flow from within that. And it's, I think the reason why people meet it with so much contempt is because in that moment, what they hear is you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And it shows, it, it, it shows a, a misunderstanding of Jesus and how truth is outside of them. Oh, that's because, interesting. Because they're, they're in, that, in that moment, they're saying that I'm failing as a Christian instead of allowing Jesus to be the standard. They're saying, I'm, I'm failing in my marriage. You're telling me I'm wrong. Instead of saying, yeah, screw it. From the very beginning, we Jesus was saying you were wrong. Like, <laughs> we need Jesus because we're wrong. Like, yeah. And that should be the starting point of Christianity. That's one thing I try to drive home with our students as well, is that if the starting point of Christianity is humidity, humidity, humility. <laughs> we <laughs> better it, move out of West yeah, Texas. No, right? If the starting point of Christianity is humility, having to come on your knees and say, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't destroy my sin. I can't reconcile this relationship. And I need something outside of me that I'm, I'm, I'm a slave to a world that's filled with lies. And I want nothing but truth and light. And I want to be freed from this darkness. And Jesus, I hear that out of love, you came to save. Like this, this, this setting aside of self to, to embrace who Christ has made us to be, who Christ, um, who Christ can make us to be through faith. And in those moments, I think when you see that contempt, when you see that, that, that pushback, you realize you're, you haven't, you haven't surrendered. And if, I don't know if there's a better way to say well, that, but you've just convicted me and given me uh, <laughs> boom. Yeah. You've just given me a way to say it better because it just dawns on me that the part of the reason you're right. Like the, the, the reason that people, when we go to them and say, look, your marriage can be holy and you mm -hmm. can proclaim Jesus and have enjoy marriage. Like it can be nice. Um, the reason that they kick back is because, yeah, you're right. They hear us saying you're doing it wrong, mm -hmm. which means, which means they've had their law and their standard and they think wrongly, maybe we're doing a really, I'm doing a poor job of explaining it. They think what we're doing is substituting a new law. Yeah. Law condemns. Mm, yeah. And so they, they hear me say, your law is stupid. Here's the new law. Instead of saying grace, yeah, like, yeah. this is grace. This. Yeah. this is freedom. Yeah. And, and, and so this is liberty, you know? And mm -hmm. so what I have done poorly, I'm realizing is when I go to people and say, your marriage can be better because of the system 
we've trained people to live in, in our church culture, at least for the last 500 years is law. Mm-hmm. What they're going to hear is, oh man, here's a whole new set of rules I need to do. And, and I think, thank you, Pierce. What it's going to have me do is when I have that conversation with people, I will say, look, God, God's grace is big enough. I'll, I'll lead with that. Yeah. The because gospel is can, big enough. Right? If you say you can, then it still is. Yeah. It's still based no, on you're what totally right. Doing. If yeah. I say you can have a better marriage, then the expectation is I need to do something different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I if I say the gospel, Jesus uh, has grace enough for your marriage. Yep. And so you've just changed my language and how I'm going to go, do that man. in the future. Next podcast will be on how we talk about grace and marriage. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> oh, but you're exactly right, man. The And that, and that language, I think... St- uh, goes back to a lot of what we're talking about with crisis core as well. And so we may, we'll probably get to this in a little bit, but a huge application for, for you guys listening, if you guys watching is, is uh language cleaning up, cleaning up language. So even an aspect of what you said of like, accept Jesus into my heart, your first statement after that was like, what does that mean? <laughs> so if yes. we, if we, we know what it means culturally, but what does it mean from an aspect of truth? And so same thing with marriage of what you're saying, if you start with, you can, they were making it so much of about our actions instead of yeah. resting upon Jesus. And so we're not allowing our language to reflect a, uh, a gospel centered mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Which stinks because like we, the three of us sitting at this table, we believe that it has to be Christ at core. We believe that it has to be about Jesus as center to all things. And for us to say, for me to say, I won't even put it on you guys, for me to say as often as I do, you can do this better is the wrong standard. It, yeah, yeah. It, it's the wrong emphasis. It, it's putting the emphasis back on humanity and person and what we can do, what yeah. we think and feel and believe. And really, the, what we're saying now is the, the core of understanding of the gospel is it changes our lives in a way where we understand we no longer have to worry about um, the weight of what we have done or haven't done mm. or what we can do and what we're capable of doing. Sure. And now we can say, man, God's grace is so much bigger than that. Now I get the Holy Spirit. Yes. Who can guide me through life? Galatians five, walk by the spirit and not by my own works or by the flesh. We can talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's that's the, what, what you're saying is yes. if the grace of God is not at the core, then we're gonna work ourselves into a frenzy trying to even as people who've believed in Jesus, trying to somehow work our ways to a better self. Yeah, it, exactly. it's a it's a man centered like gospel to say, um, to say you can do better. That's yeah. a man-centered guy. I, I think we're I think we're scared of it, to be honest. In my years of traveling and preaching, this is what I get from a lot of people is, well, if, if we don't tell them there's a standard, what do we give people? Yeah. I think we're scared of this idea that somehow I, I could go to bed at night and not have to worry about like, did I do this or did I not do this? And we're scared almost of the idea that uh, my my work is completely taken out of it and I'm yes. allowing myself Jesus to just really be is enough. Yeah. Well, this just in, just real quick, I did have a, a question sent in on my iPad, just real quick. Yeah, sure. They asked me <laughs> to do it in their voice, and so okay. I'll do it for them. But shouldn't we expect or even accept that each person has the distinction of finding out what the gospel means to them as an individual? Uh, are you asking that as a millennial or is that like a legitimate <laughs> question? I don't even know who sent this in. I That's can't even find them again. the most question I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, well, actually, and, and I, Michelle and I do this all the time. Like it's, well, actually is a joke. And I always pretend like I'm Steve Urkel or something and pushing up the like glasses, glasses yeah. yeah, that I don't have anymore. Well, actually, <laughs> you kind of have to like talk through your nose. Um, so when, when we argue, right, that the gospel needs to be whatever we want it to be or whatever this person feels it is, 
then in that moment, what we're doing is we're setting an individual person as the standard for all truth. Mm -hmm. And if you set one, listen, all you have to do, if you set one individual person as the standard of truth, then by default, you have to argue that all people are the standard of their own truth. Mm. Um, and, and which means there isn't, exactly. right? It means there can't be truth. There can't be consistent <coughs> anything. And so, so we as believers have to come to the place where we understand that the standard for all truth is God and yeah. what he has said yes. yeah. and what he has declared and what he has made known that the standard for all truth is God. And it can't be my experience and it can't be my ideology and it can't be my political uh, leaning and it can't be my upbringing or the church that I go to. It has to be uh, Christ. And, and I think, I think, I think that the, the easiest way, and maybe not, maybe it takes some practice, but one of the ways that we can kind of test that in ourselves to see whether the gospel is something of our own making or if it actually is what God has declared it to be, is to see who it points to or who it elevates. Mm. And if it doesn't hold Christ as core, if it if it somehow heaps praise back on me, mm. or if it somehow puts me at ease, or if it somehow makes me the hero of my own story, then then it's a man-centered gospel. Yeah. It's gotta be, right? Yeah. Because if it doesn't, if you can, if you can believe it without bringing the truth of who Jesus is to it, then it can't be the gospel. It's got to be something of our own creation. Right. And Paul's got some pretty harsh words for oh, yeah. those kind of gospels in Galatians. And well, yeah. for all, every time he talks, I feel like. Yeah. Um, Jude, Peter, both. Yeah, like, false Paul's teachers. Yeah. yeah. Some um, pretty colorful language for those, yeah. those kind of gospels. Yeah. And, and so this idea, I, I think we want, um, on some level, I think we want the gospel to be us-centered. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple of people that, or I've known some people who always want to be the martyr, like mm. in every story and always want to be the hero. And somehow they're always both. <laughs> uh, they're, they're never, they're never guilty. They're never, you know what I mean? They're yeah, always, yeah. somebody's always wronged them or they've always won the day. And, and I think, I think we like that narrative. I mean, it, Michelle doesn't like it very much. Uh, that's my wife, for those of you who don't know. Um, but every now and then, you know, every movie I feel like is a cliche. And you see this movie, right? And and then, like, uh, the couple breaks up in the last 20 minutes because of some misunderstanding that if they had just texted one another, like, literally, if they had just texted a text, then it would have been fine. But they don't do that. And there's this big thing. And you're like, oh, are they going to get together? But you already know they're going to get together. And mm -hmm. every time I lean over to Michelle and I'm like... I hope they stay broken up. <laughs> and she goes, no, they got to get, and I'm like, just, just once, like just once surprise me, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think, uh, but I think we like that. I think we like the comfortability and the cliche and the routine. Yeah. And we, at the very least, we know what to expect from ourselves. Yeah. Good or bad, we know what to expect from ourselves. Mm. And the grace of God is so beautifully untamed and wild and so empowering and so liberating that I think that there's a little bit of an element that because it's outside of our control and outside of our ability that we, we shun it a little bit mm -hmm. because yeah. if we really let the grace of God take us over and just run through us and live in us, like, man, I just can't even fathom how beautiful that life would be. But it also is a life that I'm not getting to live. I'm, I'm living by surrender. I'm giving myself up to Christ and saying, look, yeah. That's, you do a, your work that's the it. scary part is we're out of technically out of our own control yes. to some degree. I mean, obviously 
obviously it doesn't mean we get up in the morning and say, God, I'm just going to do whatever you want me to do today. I mean, we say that, but like, doesn't yeah. mean you don't go to work and you know what I mean? Yeah, right. We're still dictating some aspects of life, but I think it's a perspective or maybe more clear the heart mm-hmm. to say, man, God, whatever you want from me, I'll, I'll do it. Um, I, I think if you want to test that heart in you, um, I think you can see how you live life and you can see the values that you place on different things. Um, I, I hear stories just working with missionaries who are in dangerous parts of the world for Christians about Christians who are, you know, getting saved, who are, you know, like Muslims and then getting saved or something else and getting saved and people in Africa getting saved who that moment are ready to give their life up for Jesus because they've realized the value of what they gain in Christ. And I feel like sometimes for us as Western Christians, we uh, like American Christians, we don't often get to see that because our world is so filled with other things. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. we can't. That's why I think it's a heart issue. You know, if, if my heart had a conversation with a buddy today, we were talking about money and a situation in his business. And, and I love to hear it, just to hear him and his perspective where he said, um, you know, money can't be the reason for, for me to make decisions. It needs to be the gospel. He's a business partner that doesn't know Jesus and he's trying to interact with him for the sake of the gospel, but that's going to, in the long run, probably cost him money in business. And he's saying for the sake of the gospel, that's, that's an easy decision for me to, to make. So I think wherever you see your value, how you act and value kind of shows the heart. Sure. Well, Jesus said to the Jews, right in Matthew six, he said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Yeah. And, um, uh, we, we could talk a long time about that, maybe in another podcast, the Sermon on the Mount kind of stuff. But I think at the core of it is if Jesus really is, first of all, to call something a man-centered gospel is just stupid because mm-hmm. if we're really saying the gospel is good news, there is nothing good about <laughs> mankind. Yeah. Yeah. There's just not. Mm-hmm. It, and everything that we can do to earn something or win something is fleeting. It's futile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there really isn't such a thing as a man-centered gospel. I think it's a misnomer. I think it's one of these things that we try to live, we try to yeah. do. But really, there is no gospel outside of Christ. Yeah, mm-hmm. And Absolutely. if we can come to the place where that's really true for us, um, it doesn't mean you don't have a business partner that's not a Christian. Absolutely have a business partner that's not a Christian. But your decision-making still has to be based on what makes the most of Jesus. Yeah. So it has to have... I think I think we're more concerned with our own reputation than we are the reputation of Christ. And yeah. and if we yeah. would come to the place where the reputation of Christ mattered more, um, then that would impact our decisions. Now, I, I want to be really careful here. I, I am not talking about whether you drink or don't drink or whether you dance or don't dance or what kind of church you go to or what kind of TV shows you watch or don't watch or whether you use birth control or don't or homeschool your kids or don't. Like, Here's the thing. Um, and I know some of you I, hear me. I get it. I, I I think I said this last month that I'm the most legalistic out of the three of us, and I've had to work really hard to not be. But but your decision to do birth control or not do birth control isn't a gospel issue in this in the sense that um, you can tell that story without bringing Christ into it. Mm. Um, and and so. Like make a decision that you believe is honoring to Jesus and that you believe that God is calling you to, but where your kids go to school isn't ultimately like, it doesn't change anything about the deity of Christ. It doesn't change anything about the cross. It doesn't change anything about his death, uh, overthrowing sin. It doesn't change anything about his resurrection or his coming again. And so, so if it, if it can't 
misshape Christ or the gospel, which we've said earlier is Jesus. Yeah. If it, mm-hmm. if it doesn't, if it doesn't change the shape of who Jesus is, then it's not a gospel issue. It's a preference. Right. Um, it's a conviction. And I think that's fine too, to have convictions and preferences For sure. and, and to be adamant about them, to, mm-hmm. to hold to those things tightly. We just can't, we just can't include them in the camp of gospel. And I yeah. think an easy way to remedy that is Colossians three seventeen. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So instead of trying to figure out like, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Like, let that be secondary to you saying, I want to do everything through mm-hmm. Jesus with yes. Jesus as the core, because then you can make decisions moment by moment. Because all those things you mentioned could change based on the scenario you're in, sure. as far as like the gospel. It could Hinder the gospel, yes. it helped the gospel. Yeah. I can make a case for, you know, not all those things, but a lot of those things you can make that case for. And so I think if your mindset is, I want to do everything with Jesus at the core, sure. let that be the heart and perspective that causes me to make the decisions I make, it will help greatly in, in making those decisions. Sure. And and I think you've said it before. I mean, you'll say it a hundred times before we're done recording podcasts, but uh, we want to contextualize within the culture. We want to yeah. honor Christ within the culture. And so in, in this, uh, you know, there might be a situation where your kids going to public school is absolutely the best thing that they can do uh, to make much of Jesus, honor Christ. And then in a different country, in a different scenario, under a different government, that might be the absolute worst thing you right. can do, you <laughs> right. know? And so like right. it, and, and that's what I think my point is, and you said it really well, is that you can make a case for either side mm-hmm. in those things and, and still make much of Jesus. What we can't do, what we can't do is make a case that Jesus isn't God and still hold to the integrity of the scripture. Exactly. What we can't do is uh, make a case that Jesus wasn't raised from the dead and still hold to the integrity of the gospel. Right, right. And and so I think that's what I'm trying to say is that these other things are really secondary in light of Christ. It doesn't mean don't have a conviction. It doesn't mean don't have a, I, I, I think conviction might even be too weak a word for what I'm, I'm trying to say. Like you can feel super passionate about it and like, like feel like for you, it's a chief issue. It still has to come in second place to the gospel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Can I make a side note? Of course. School stuff. I think one of the things I've seen doing, you know, the majority of events I preach at probably are, are student ministry events, middle school, high school, college. Um, and one of the things I, I've seen a lot is this idea from, parents that my kid is not capable of living out the gospel until they're graduated high school. Yeah. And so I think that, I think that if we as parents are gospel centered and gospel minded, and we're trying to implement that grace gospel mindset in our kids, then there's an aspect of whether our kids are homeschooled or go to public school, we have to go, I want to turn my kids loose on this world who know Jesus because they can impact their peers and the people around them for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the gospel in a way that I can't, I mean, it's likely that the majority of the followers of Jesus were young, yeah. you know? And so if Jesus is leaving the fate of his ministry in the hands of people that age, then why can't we, yeah. you know? And that's a gospel centered mindset. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, it reminded me of a story I haven't thought of in years. Uh, 1999, I was 24. I was in Bartlesville, Oklahoma as a, Dude, you're old. I know I was in Bartlesville, Oklahoma as a youth intern. And one of the families from the church had me over like my last week there. I was there for like 12 weeks. And they had a daughter who was four at the time named Jessica. So she's 25 today. Jessica from Bartlesville, Oklahoma, if you're listening to this. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, and, and we were having homemade pizza that night. And Jessica looks at me, four years old, and she goes, hey, Wyan. <laughs> she goes, 
every night before I go to bed, I read the word of God. <laughs> and, and I ask him to tell me what it says. And he does, Ryan. He speaks to my heart. Because my heart was black with sin. But Jesus come in and made me queen. <laughs> and this is for, you know? That's awesome. And that's what you're saying. Like, yeah. what, what an arrogant position, right? To think yeah. that somehow our kids can't make yeah. much of Jesus it's, it's until the, they're adults. It's the moralistic perspective. You're totally right. We're so worried about our kids sinning. Um, that we don't allow the spirit to work through our kids exactly. who put faith in Jesus in a way to prepare well, the gospel. And on the on the flip side of it, we believe that we are these powerhouse Christians because of our age rather than because of the work of Christ, <laughs> yeah. which is stupid. Yeah, the same Holy Spirit that lives in me is the same Holy Spirit that lives in my kids. Yeah, you know, and so that's that's a good point. I love and that's, it. And that's uh, back to what nah. I was saying, you know, back to the thing at the, oh. at the beginning of the podcast, like allowing us to kind of clarify some of the language that we've used in the past two episodes. Bringing up parenting, I think it was was brilliant because it points out so much of when we say, like in the intro saying Jesus is core, when we've said it so much in the past, we are taking so much of these aspects of everything we're talking about, the whole point of the episode and, and defining these things and applying it directly to something that makes sense to people. It makes sense to people in our culture. It makes sense to people around us. And exactly so much of what y'all said of, of allowing it to, to morph wherever you are, whatever, yeah. whatever time period you're in. If you're listening to this, then this, this survives on the internet. Well, I know it'll survive on the internet. People can use the Wayback machine. If you're, <laughs> if you're listening to this in 20, 2002, 2022, wow. if you're listening to this in the past, <laughs> if you're listening to this 18 years ago, is the I'm going to say 2102. Yeah. If you're listening to this a hundred years from now and that this, this truth remains because yes. this truth has remained, this truth will remain yeah. and continue. And so regardless of the time period you're in, regardless of what culture you're in, Putting Christ as core and taking these these main facets of what that means, just Jesus and who he is and who he proclaims to be and what he's proclaimed to accomplish and allowing that to flow into how we parent, how we how we as pastors lead a church, how yeah. we interact in our friendships and with with our parents, with our in-laws, with people like that, like how we interact with these people, it makes things so much, it makes things so much simpler. And again, I'm gonna point right back to the name of the podcast that when we look at something like parenting and we allow ourselves to be to be the standard to be the 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 code of morals kind of over the entire situation then we're having to to every single day figure things out where instead of every single day we we proclaim to Christ and to, to ourselves we're saying today I want to glorify Jesus yeah, whatever yeah. I do in word or deed pointing back to Colossians 3 that however I parent I want to glorify Jesus yeah. however I interact at my job, I want to glorify Jesus. However I interact with my peers, I want to glorify Jesus. And so, so much of that is so much easier, even though it sounds so complicated because we want a formula. We want, mm -hmm. we want the step one, two, and three to do, and we want everything to work out fine. We, we we're, we're trained in so much of that way. But if we have a bend to realize this is outside of me, yeah, I Pierce slept up to his own devices, can't do anything that's good. I can't, I right. can't do any, I can't glorify Jesus slept up on my own, but yes, yeah, the same spirit, just like what you said, the same spirit, regardless of your age, regardless of how much you know, the same spirit dwells within you is working through you in such a way to bring glory to God and has changed us in such a way where our desire now is outside of us. If, if again, what I said earlier, if we started at a place of humility, how can we now be in a place of lordship? Mm -hmm. How can we now be in a place to exert ourselves over people and over things yeah. and and back to kind of what you said a second ago as well with, excuse me, with uh, convictions too often. I mean, it's, it's the Facebook culture. People have a very specific conviction that they may be at a place where their heartbeat isn't elevating that above Christ, but how are you representing it to everybody sure. else? And so sure. like 
kind of what you said earlier as well, kind of examining yourself, not from a standpoint of how can I do this better and making it all about yourself, but realizing, am I allowing, am I allowing the truth that I believe in kind of an encouragement to you guys? Am I allowing the truth that I believe in to be represented in my actions, to be represented in, in how am I, am I allowing myself to be elevated in these other circumstances? Yeah, yeah. Cause there's, I bet I would assume there's plenty of people that are the people, the stereotypes that we think of the, uh, the Karens as it were of the world for meme mm -hmm. culture and all that stuff that there are those people who will live and die on that hill of whatever the conviction yep. is. Mm. But then there's some people that just see their friends arguing about it and they have a stance on it. And so they put it out there. And then what do people see? Because people are interacting on that post, people see that and that mainly. And so I'm not saying that any of that's your fault based off of the Facebook algorithm. What I'm saying is I'm encouraging you guys out there as believers to day in and day out, live life in a simpler way where, where your concern isn't every little detail of you having to exert your voice in there, just like Facebook culture makes you like, I've got this yeah. megaphone, I got to use it. Yeah. But rather live in such a way that glorifies Jesus. And sometimes yep. that sometimes that looks loud, but sometimes that looks quiet. Yeah. And sometimes that looks like being forceful in a situation. And sometimes it looks like being gentle in a situation. And so um allowing each and every circumstance to not have a have a set of rules, but each and every circumstance yeah. to have Jesus at the center. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, people I, I feel like sometimes Christians get more angry over public school issues or birth control issues than they do whether when somebody says that, you know, Jesus wasn't God. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. so just having those right priorities and in the midst of our convictions. Yeah. So exactly. That's good. So if you guys, I mean, I'll kind of like try to just big old summary real quick. Yeah, do if it. you Thanks, guys are Bruce. cool with that. Sweet. So, so to, to encourage you guys as well, um, I'm going to do like this little summary. So if you just kind of zoned out a little bit, here we go. This We're good. Is this, this, is, this is Pierce's petite pondering, uh, well, it's not promotion. Yeah, it petite now? It's the no, whole it's, thing. Yeah. Pierce's fat. <laughs> With a P H A T. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so so coming to acknowledge that that the gospel is Jesus, that the yeah. gospel for us to have a gospel-centered mindset is to have a Jesus at the core of all things that we do, of all belief systems, of whatever we are confronted with, may it be new or old, may it be from the world or from our family or kind of whatever it comes at. We're trying to look through things through the lens of Jesus and respond in the ways of Jesus in such a way where, where it is so integrated to who we are that it is literally at the center. It's at the core, that yeah. Jesus is at the core. And so we talked about today kind of walking through just the main areas of that, that Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word put on flesh, and that Word was Jesus, and He was a light to all men, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises of God throughout the Old Testament, that the same faith that Abraham had is the same faith that we have, that yeah. Jesus is the promised Messiah. And that in Jesus's life, he proclaimed himself to be God. And in Jesus's death, he proclaimed victory over sin, that he destroyed sin, that he bore away our transgressions, that those of us who would come to faith in him would have our sin be destroyed because of Jesus' accomplishment on the cross. And with Jesus leaving the grave empty, he was kind of that final that final stamp, as we said earlier, of his proclamation of, I am God, yeah. that I am Lord over all these things, that I, I am who I am, who I am who I am. Yeah, there's a good way <laughs> yeah. to say it. That's a very biblical way to say it. Yeah. I am who I've said I've been. I am this truth that I've said. And all the authority that I proclaimed earlier in my life is now reigns to be true because I am now Lord over death. And so he conquered sin and death, that those of us who would put our faith in him are freed from sin. We are freed from death. Yeah. We are freed from all of these things. And we are freed from the, the, the fear of that. Now we have life and grace and love in him. And all of this, again, 
is stemming from the love of God, mm. that this isn't from the hatred of God, from the condemnation of God, but this is from God coming from a place of freeing us from the mess that we put ourselves in. And acknowledging the, the the works that he has done is something that us coming to that and putting our faith in that is such a the beginning point of humility that humility should bleed into every aspect of who we are. And even Paul proclaims in in Philippians two, he talks about the humility of Christ. Even that mm-hmm. our our life should emulate the humility of Christ. That Christ put on flesh. Christ became a servant. Christ died. Christ. Um, did all these things, and now his name is above every other name. And so that same humility that Christ has, now we emulate in our lives, not putting ourselves above Jesus, but allowing Jesus to be over all things to the point where we aren't making a gospel made out of made out of men or made out of um, the issues of this world or anything going on around us. May it be politics, may it be social justice things, may it be uh, your truth is whatever, but rather we are allowing our truth to be dictated by God's truth yeah. by a truth that is outside of us that, that he has made standard because you may even said earlier, kind of the, uh, what is this postmodern millennial question? <laughs> and it's so funny because I talked about this last time on the unity podcast of like, everybody has their own truth. And what you had pointed out is if everybody has their truth, there is no truth. And so for all you guys listening that had a lot of pushback to that, if you're from, from millennial or Gen Z or whatever, I'm going to quote one of your favorite movies, the, the Incredibles, which is a Pixar <laughs> movie where the villain actually says, if everyone is super, then no one is. Mm, yeah. So boom, there you go. Just throw mm. it right back at you. So if everyone has a truth and there can no be truth, because if your truth contradicts my truth and your truth can't be truth anymore, and there's no more truth to have the truth. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. You can follow that truth, there right? There can no be truth anymore. There can no be said. truth. Yeah. I like that. There can no be truth. <laughs> there can no be truth. Obi-Wan. I'm just trying to simplify it for everybody. Um, so anyway, that that's that that fun summary that pierces fat pondering. <laughs> I know we need to find a synonym for big that I starts know. with a P. We do. So, 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 so all you guys listening out there, uh, send us your recommendations, send us every word you can think of that begins with P so I can have all the different alliterations throughout the whole show. Maybe so not everyone, uh, just ones that are, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Hey, we also want to give a shout out to Steven and, uh, Oh, totally. You, so would you do that for us, Pierce? And tell yes. Him? Uh, so Steven poke, poke your head in right there. If you can, come on, man. I just want to make it as awkward as possible. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's Steven Yarborough. He's from the Garden Audio. He uh, he takes care of all of our recording needs. He sets up all this for us. He even set out the water for us today. I mean, cold water. It is a uh, it is luxury setup right here in the cabin. So I want to give a huge shout out to the Garden Audio and Steven Yarborough. If you don't already, go follow them on social media. Yeah. Uh, you're on Instagram, I know for sure. Are you on Facebook as well, Steven? There is, there, a, so Facebook. is a Facebook, he says, kind of like <laughs> that's a no. hesitatingly. <laughs> but if you want to keep up Instagram, with him, Instagram. Uh, if you want to keep up with him and everything that's going and if on. You need, he's got a new studio coming super soon. Yeah. As soon as we get in there and finish it. But um, if you need if you need stuff like this recorded, this is the place to go. This he is, is the, the place to go. Yeah. So hit him up, see the studio progress and uh, and shoot him an email and just talk about whatever you need done. Uh, Micah, you have a simpler hack for us this I do, month? I do. And the simpler hack for this month is something that is incredibly simple. Yes. And I'm going to tell you a specific use for it that will change your world. The simpler hack for this month is vinegar. Mm. Vinegar does a lot of cool things, yeah, but the simpler hack for this month is um, your drains at home. Um, mm. One of the worst issues as a homeowner that most of us deal with, I think, is is sewer issues or drain issues. And uh, bleach is something that some people use to clean out their pipes. But if you have cast iron pipes or something that's not PVC, that bleach will eventually eat through your pipes. Mm. Um, do not, if you are a salesman of these products, I apologize. Do not, if at all possible, use 
the store-bought stuff like Drano or those kind of things that will clear, but it will also coat your pipe and more stuff will catch in the future. But if you will, every few weeks, pour some vinegar down all of your drains um, and let it sit for a while, it will clean some of that stuff out. It will also make it smell better. Yes. And it will maintain your drainage pipe. So vinegar is an incredible way to keep your pipes clean. I think because of you, my wife uses it like a vinegar water mix to uh, even for the soaps come in our shower. I think it works. because of you. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. You can buy uh, all this expensive stuff or you can just go buy some vinegar. Yeah. Just and I, I don't remember what she dilutes <laughs> it or how much, she, but I yeah. know that I think that was because of you. She's been doing that for a while now. Vinegar is amazing stuff. Yeah. It smells yeah. Terrible, we used it. It's amazing. I think you I told actually kind of like it. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I hate the smell. What's funny is I hate the smell, but that's what I was going to say is that we used it, I guess about a month and a half ago. You told me to use vinegar cause I wasn't, I didn't remember the pipes or whatever, but I was like, we, it just smells so bad. Cause like, <laughs> I don't know if it's just a hair buildup or what, but I was like, we need to get it unclogged. And when we run water, just like it, yeah. the smell is coming from there. And yeah, the smell goes go away, which is funny because I hate the smell of vinegar, but so much better. It got rid of the, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the benefit is, is it's one of those things you can just kind of maintain, you know, don't, it won't work to like unclog something really heavy, but if you mm -hmm. just maintain your pipes periodically, and if you want to get super aggressive, Throw some baking soda down before yes. you put the vinegar in. And I don't know if it works any better, but it's a lot more fun. That's right. Yeah. you got a home volcano at that point. Yeah, there you go. Well, thank you guys, as always, for listening. Again, hit us up at, at SimplerPod on Facebook and Instagram. Go check out Steven and everything he's going on at the studio at The Garden Audio on Instagram for sure. And you know what? As always, keep Christ as core. And guess what? You guys now know what we mean when we say that. Keep Christ as core. What could be simpler than that? We'll talk to you next time. I'm gonna cut that buy out so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't do a clap. Oh, sorry. Oh, gosh.